Hi, everybody, and welcome to the sex rap. The sex rap. <laughs> and you know, singing the title too. I, I mean, I'm not going to sing for any of you unless we're in like Koreatown and I'm in a karaoke room that's private. And we should do a no. sex rap karaoke event. That would be fun. Oh my God, that would be so much fun. There's so many great songs we could sing. Also, I hate singing. I hate singing so much. The only place I sing is on this podcast. Um, don't ask me why. And when you put this microphone in front of me, sometimes songs come out of my mouth because I am so self-conscious about my voice. It's really weird. It's weird that I sing here, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we were just at a conference last weekend. Someone came up to us and they're like, I recognize you by your voice. It's very distinct. I don't know if they were talking to me or you, but I'm pretty sure they were talking to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's not the singing voice, not the singing voice. But um, welcome to the Sex Trap, everybody. We're here to answer your questions about sex, about pretty much anything that you want. And we're rap with a W, like wrap it up. <laughs> and today we are talking about cheating. We're going to be talking about cheating over the next couple of weeks, a little mini theme here about cheating. And today our question is all about um, when people feel that something else is what someone, their partner is cheating on them with, not someone else. So what do we mean by that? What are all the things that people might think of as their partner cheating on them with that are not a person, Andrew? Oh my gosh, we get this question, like in my personal private life, very frequently, we get this question emailed, I'm speaking on a panel tomorrow night, a sex, a sex panel. And this is one of the questions, like all of these questions were asked. It's like, is porn cheating? Like if my girlfriend or boyfriend watches porn, are they cheating? If my boyfriend masturbates without me, is that cheating? If my girlfriend uses a vibrator, is that cheating? Like these questions are, are really common and people have them. I'm sure there's a million other things that come up in people's lives that they consider cheating too. Um, but that's the general vibe. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's like people can feel cheated on by so many things, which I think is really interesting, right? Because the definition of cheating, I think, involves another person, right? And so when we're thinking about how people can feel cheated on with, you know, these other um, forms of sexual activity that are not involving another person, I think it's really interesting. And so today we're going to talk about, you know, what is going into this feeling like I'm being cheated on. And we're going to talk about this from both sides, like what the person who is using porn or the person who's masturbating or the person who's using a vibrator, what they might be doing to contribute to that feeling of being cheated on also. So that's where we're going today. And buckle up with your favorite harnesses. <laughs> is a harness <laughs> cheating? <laughs> Whenever I'm chatting about any of these questions with somebody, the, the place where I, that we obviously have to start is that definition of what cheating is. And Spring started talking about it, right? Um, like for me, very generally, when I talk about cheating, I'm like, if you're in a relationship with another person, you have an agreed upon set of boundaries that have been discussed, that you've refined, and that all parties have actively agreed upon, right? Like, for cheating to happen, like if you've never had a conversation about what's appropriate or inappropriate in your relationship, it's really hard to say something is cheating, especially when you're talking about things that aren't another human being. Because if we look overall, like if we talk to our sex therapist friends, um, and we're going to be recommending some sex therapist friends later on in this episode, um, the definition of cheating that they use most frequently is secretive physical or emotional engagement with someone outside of the relationship. That whole someone piece is what makes it complicated. And that's sort of what Spring was getting at earlier too. Like, if you're masturbating, 
by yourself, you might be doing it in secret and it might be physical. It might be emotional a little bit, but it's not with somebody outside of the relationship. So it really doesn't fit the bar for cheating. And once again, if you haven't defined what cheating means inside of your relationship, if you haven't had those really important conversations, I don't, I mean, it's really hard for me to say that porn masturbation or using a vibrator would be cheating. And those are the three that we're sort of covering today. Like, like we said earlier, there's a million other things that could be considered cheating, but without those boundaries, right? I, you're, they're not involving another person. So do we end the episode saying, no, it's not cheating? <laughs> well, you know, it's like, okay, so why, why would someone be feeling like they've been cheated on if their partner is doing one of these things? And so I think the first clue comes into what Andrew was just talking about. Um, and he was saying that it's really important to have agreed upon boundaries in your relationship that everybody has agreed upon, right? So whether there are two people in your relationship or more, you want to be communicating between everyone about what boundaries feel comfortable for you and what boundaries are hard boundaries and what boundaries are soft boundaries, which ones you want to recheck in on. And this is a constant conversation. And it doesn't matter if you're monogamous or polyamorous or any style of open relationship. This applies to everyone. And I think that Sometimes people in monogamous relationships might think, oh, we talked about this once, we don't have to talk about it again um, because we're not engaging with other people. But that's not true because, you know, your feelings about different aspects of your sexuality and your relationships change all the time. And, you know, how much you want or need someone on different levels will change over time. So you want to be practicing having communications about your relationship with the people that you are in relationship with. And if you haven't talked about what masturbation or what using a vibrator or what watching porn means or feels like in your relationship, then it's definitely not cheating because you haven't set any boundaries around it. And if you need some boundaries around it for whatever reason, maybe you have some trauma around it. Maybe you have been hurt by a partner who has used these things um, to hurt you specifically in the past. Then, yeah, you need to communicate to your partner what's going on for you, why you need some boundaries around this and negotiate those with your partner. So it's not simple, right? Like a lot of times people say, I'm in a monogamous relationship with somebody and they make a whole bunch of assumptions about what that relationship is supposed to look like based off of, you know, societal scripts, sex scripts, what they've seen in movies, what they've read in books. And the problem is the only person that you should really be talking to, like to get rid of those assumptions is your partner, right? You're defining all of those aspects of your relationship and what it looks like. And when I look at these questions, right, these, these questions like, you know, is porn cheating? Most of the time, it's because there's some kind of perceived threat, right? A partner feels really insecure because the person they're with is watching pornography and they feel like, oh, no, I'm threatened by this. That arousal is limited. That pleasure is limited. That love is limited. Like there's this like this economy that we sort of buy into and society loves to feed us that economy, too. Um but there's a lot of threats that people feel, right? These conversations are difficult and people are secretive on the other side because they're afraid to have these conversations because 
it's been sort of weaponized in normal conversations with other people that like, if I say I like this kind of pornography, my partner might tell me that they feel really bad or insecure that I'm not allowed to do it. Or the other side for me is like, there's a lot of control behaviors in relationships too. Like I own your sex. I own your pleasure. I own your sexual agency. So unless I'm there approving of it at that moment, you shouldn't be engaging in that behavior. So it's kind of scary on both sides, right? Like the person who's masturbating probably doesn't want to talk about it because they don't want to have a fight with somebody, right? And for them, masturbation is getting off for reasons. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes too. And then for the other person, right, it's really difficult because their self, their sexual self-esteem is at risk. They, they feel threatened by the behavior. And like Spring said, a lot of people have sexual traumas from their past that they potentially haven't dealt with. And something like pornography or a vibrator or masturbation can really bring those to the surface. And we have these unresolved negative emotions that sort of play out in future relationships. And it's really toxic to our relationships as well. So we need to be careful with them. You know, I, um, I just want to talk about like, you know, one of my experiences here, um, because I want to say like, you know, even though you hear Andrew and I talking about like, um, you know, us as pretty evolved and pretty uh, understanding and pretty empathetic people, especially, you know, in regards to sexuality and relationships, um, you know, we're always learning too. And um, I was in a relationship in my early 20s where and with a man and I found out he was watching a lot of porn and hiding it from me. And he had um, a lot of porn on his computer and all these secret folders. <laughs> and, um, when and he had like asked me to go on his computer and grab something for him and I like accidentally found these things. And, um, it, it was really scary to me, you know, and, um, I asked him about it and I asked him to delete it all because I felt very threatened by it. And I, I very much understand, um, you know, that feeling that comes up when you feel like someone's been hiding something from you. So like it can't, it can't just be okay. Right. Because there's a reason, reason they're hiding it from you. And so. I think it's like really interesting to start there. Like, let's start to explore, you know, why someone might be hiding something from you. And there's many reasons, right? It could be that they feel ashamed about it. It could be that they're worried about your judgment about it. It could be that they had a past experience with a partner that, you know, shut them down or said they weren't allowed to do that. So there's a lot of things that goes into that um, wanting to hide it from a partner. And I think that, Maybe if that partner had like opened up and talked to me about it some more, it wouldn't have felt like that. But that the finding of something that's been hidden from you does, it has that exact feeling of like, oh my God, I've been cheated on and it really, really can hurt. So I think that, you know, this brings to light really this importance of communicating about these things and having the boundaries, you know, talked about as far ahead of time as you can, because it's the, it's the uncovering of something I think that feels so threatening within a relationship. Absolutely. Like it's finding out that secret. Someone's been doing something behind my back. Someone's been doing something in the bathroom when they're alone and I'm not a part of it. Um, and there's a lot of FOMO that goes on here for partners. <laughs> as, I think it's, it's, it's complicated, right? So it's the secrecy. It's the fear of something being hidden from you. It's the fear of missing out on something. It's the wanting to be involved. 
Uh, and the easiest way to deal with these, like Spring said, is you want to have conversations relatively early and you want to make sure you have non-judgmental conversations. Like if you're going into a conversation with somebody that you're in a relationship with and your point is to shut them down and say, you can't use a vibrator anymore. Like that, that is not the kind of conversation that Spring and I are saying that you need to have. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of questions surrounding like, why are you using the vibrator? What do you get from the vibrator? How do you feel with the vibrator? How can, how can I be a part of that process as well? Are there things that we can do together with the vibrator? You can really make it a conversation that will build your relationship rather than going in with demands, right? If you're ever going into a relationship or a relationship, you're going into a conversation just to make demands, then you're not actually going into a conversation, right? Um, but with that, we do need to take a short break. When, we'll, when we come back, we're going to continue talking about cheating. <laughs> and not cheating. And not cheating. All right. Be right back. All right, everybody. Welcome back to The Sex Wrap. Today, we are talking about cheating and not cheating. Is porn cheating? Is masturbation cheating? Are vibrators cheating? Um, and so far, Spring and I have been talking very broadly about communication. We've been talking about the kind of hurts that people may have. I do think it's important to state that overwhelmingly that for most people, porn, vibrators, and masturbation are not problematic and should not be problematic if they're in relationships. But there are definitely instances where there are unhealthy levels of use or unhealthy levels of addiction. Um, now, if that's the case, then definitely you need to have a different kind of conversation. And this episode is not about that conversation. If somebody is porn addicted or masturbation addicted or vibrator addicted, and it's something that's having negative impacts on other aspects of their life, then that that's outside of what we're talking about today. We're talking about, you know, somebody who watches porn, somebody who masturbates, somebody who uses a vibrator. Hint, that's almost everybody. Everyone. Yeah, that's like pretty much everyone. And, you know, when I say pornography, you've, you've heard, heard me before. Like, I think pornography is not just hardcore pornography. I think there are so many aspects of pornography. Um, we have major movie pictures about like semi-torture with men with muscles. You know which one I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> okay, no. Oh, uh, it's uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey is pornography, but there's tons of other kinds of pornography that are out there. It's really broad. Um, and for most yeah. people, they, they can and enjoy people, it and it doesn't negatively impact their relationship. Right. And it, we're talking about, yeah, anything that people might use. It could be audio, it could be visual materials, it could be reading materials, right? There's a lot of different types of things people use that they are considered pornographic because they are describing or showing or explaining or um, visualizing sexual activity behaviors, right? And so any of that is pornographic. So yeah, we're talking about the use of any of those things because that all falls under the category of something that someone could feel upset about their partner doing. So that's like the realm of what we're talking about here. So yeah, it's a very broad range of behaviors, of activities. And I think what we want to start to move into now is um, talking about this from the point of view of the partner who feels like they're being cheated on by this and start to ask um, yourself to do some reflecting if that's you, right? So if you're feeling like, okay, my partner is doing all of this without me. Um, so let's start to say, okay, instead of blaming your partner here, and of course, we've already talked about they might be doing some things that are um, making this more problematic, right? They might be hiding it. They might be feeling some 
feelings about that. But then let's move to the person who is feeling like they've been cheated on in some way. And I think that's really important for them to do some reflection. So like, why... Why do they feel like they're being cheated on and what are their feelings around this and what may, what might they have ever said to their partner in the past that might make them want to hide this from them or what have they um, kind of talked about in their own experiences that could make their partner potentially feel ashamed about some of these behaviors, right? So you want to start to say, what is my part in this? Where, you know, where am I fitting into this? Because in a relationship, there's... You know, it's not just one person. So there is communication moving both ways. And we want to say, okay, what might I have done to be um, contributing to this behavior, to be contributing to this secrecy my partner has had around this? And I think along with that, you should be asking yourself questions and really honest answers like, why does my girlfriend using a vibrator bother me? Like, what about that is is troubling me? Um, and, and get beyond that sort of gut reaction. Because whenever I'm talking with friends, I was actually on the phone two days ago with a friend who was talking about her husband and pornography. And like a lot of the responses we get are visceral, emotional responses. And they're not really like the cogent thinking. Uh, so you should do that reflection that Spring's telling you to do. And on top of it, you should also ask, like, what about this actually bothers me? And why do I have those feelings? And where did those feelings come from? And are those feelings something that come from my partner? Or are these feelings that come from something else? Some sex script that I bought into, you know, that I learned in the United States or in church or from my parents? Like, have I bought into something? And is this not really reflective of my relationship? Um, is this trauma that I, I'm experiencing from my partner engaging in sexual pleasure without me something that's a me issue, they issue, or is it a non-issue? And often when you really dig down and look at it, it's it's not an issue at all. Like you're angry because you think you're supposed to be angry because the world has sort of taught us that you control this other person's sex. You're in charge of this other person's sex. They, You deserve all of their sexual attention and all of their sexual pleasure. And that's just not how human, humans are wired. That's not how arousal works. Um, so ask yourself those questions, do some of that reflection, and ask your partner to do that reflection as well. Deep reflection and honest, non-judgmental conversation is really the key to sorting out what this all looks like and to creating boundaries that make more sense inside of your relationship. Because that's really what that reflection is doing. It's saying, this is what my boundaries are. This is how I got there. This is what they mean to me. And then the, the most important part after you do that reflection is, this is how I'm going to communicate this non-judgmentally to my partner or my partners. And I love how Andrea is talking about deep reflection. I want to like make this into like a little meme that we're working with, like how deep reflection can contribute to deep relationships <laughs> or something. I love I mean, this. <laughs> I mean, but the questions are hard, right? They, uh, uh, the questions are hard. Once you really dig in, it's about a kind of accountability. And when you're in that accountability mindset and you're asking those questions, like the anger is still there, the hurt is there, the fear is still there. But once you start putting words and understanding to what's happening to cause those emotions, right, they become much easier to communicate and to deal with as well. Um, it's like a mini sex therapy session that you can give yourself. Um, and while you're in that reflection, um, I, I always ask people, like, how do you meet the needs of your partner? And how does your partner meet your needs? Right? And really look at what that 
means inside of the relationship. And if they're meeting your needs, right? If your sexual needs are fulfilled, if your emotional needs are fulfilled and they're using a vibrator or masturbating or watching pornography, there is, it's a non-issue. Right. And it could be, you know, that someone is feeling cheated on because they want to have more sex with their partner and they're feeling like, oh, I'm not getting enough sexual attention from my partner. And then you find out they're doing sexual things on their own. And then that feels upsetting to you. Right. And then, okay. It's not that you're actually angry that they like to masturbate. It's that you're feeling, Oh, I want more sexual attention. And then it becomes a conversation like, okay, well, how can we schedule more time for sexual activity and exploration in our lives? Or how can I give that to myself? And all of that becomes a conversation, you know, with your partner that you can have to have like, okay, these are some needs I'm feeling like are unfulfilled. And how can we address that in our relationship? And yeah, it's really big to be able to recognize, oh, wait, this is my need. This is my need. I need more sexual attention, right? And then you can say, this is not about the sexual behavior, but it could trigger it, right? So we can see how someone masturbating, how someone using porn, how someone using their vibrator can trigger these things that are not actually about that. And so that's where all this reflective work comes in. So we start to understand what are the needs that are not being met, and then how can we communicate that? And with that, we're going to take a short break. When we're back, we're going to talk about your sexual self-esteem and we're going to talk about deal breakers. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody, but we'll be right back. Welcome back to The Sex Wrap. Today, we are talking about the bad feelings that happen when your partner does something that may or may not be something that you're comfortable with because you haven't talked to them about it. I think it's important for a moment that there are times and places where people have had deal breaker or where people have had situations in relationships where they both agree that pornography is cheating. And then if somebody starts watching pornography, then it is cheating. Right. So pornography can be cheating if you've described it as cheating and everybody in your relationship has agreed to it. Now, it's important they did not agree to it under duress. It was not like a screaming battle where this happened. It would have to be like the we've negotiated this boundary and it's fine. Um, in other cases, it is not. But I, I, I thought it's important to sort of put that there before we start this final segment. Um, one of the primary reasons that people think about pornography and uh, vibrators uh, as a form of cheating is because they have low sexual self-esteem. They just don't feel sexually confident in their bodies. We see this really heavily in women because women are told their whole lives that they're not supposed to like sex or enjoy sex or be sexual or pursue sex. Um, And on the other side, for men with vibrators, they have low self-esteem because they've been told their whole lives that your penis has to be the primary tool to get somebody else off. And they they watch pornography and women are orgasming left and right from (laughs) penetration. So people on both sides, men and women and non-binary and all of the different kinds of people and sexual orientations in between have been sold these lies about sex. So we end up with these really fragile sexual self-esteems as adults. And something that I think that you should do if you're in a relationship and you're negotiating and you're reflecting and building these boundaries is really starting to build up your sexual self-esteem. And when you start having these conversations, you realize that, you know, People are not watching porn because they don't like the way that you feel or the way that you look or they don't like your body. It has nothing to do with all of the things that make you feel bad. And in many cases, 
it makes you feel pretty good that like you're the you're the go to you're the number one and porn is just the you know I didn't have time or on the side or whatever the other reasons are because you've already discussed them with somebody else but building sexual self esteem is really important. Yeah. And so how can you actually do some of that work on your own, right? Like how can I build my own sexual self-esteem? And um, I mean, part of this, I think you can do on your own. And part of this is work with your partner also. So like, if you're feeling like, oh, I don't know enough, or I'm not good enough. Like, first of all, I think you can do some reflection around that. Like what, what's causing those thoughts, right? And it could be that, you know, one of your first sexual interactions, like didn't go well or something. And then that kind of is just a story you've been telling yourself from there on out. Or maybe when you were younger, you didn't feel as experienced with a certain type of behavior, like maybe a certain type of penetration or something, right? And then you tell yourself like, oh, I'm not as good at that, or I don't, I haven't had much experience with that. And even though that changes over time, sometimes that thought is still stuck in our heads. So I think one thing is like, okay, explain a little bit to yourself, what could be going on here? Why might I be feeling that way? And then those are things you can also talk about with your partner, you know, and like if you are thinking, oh, I'm not good at oral sex, I'm not good at giving oral sex, then talk to your partner like I'm feeling insecure about how I give oral sex. Could you give me some feedback? Could you tell me some things that you like? Can you give me um, feedback when you like things so I know, you know, what what feels good here? And like those things actually really contribute to changing that story in your head when you hear people saying, oh, I like this, I like this. Because sometimes people are just not very vocal in bed and they might be like really loving a lot of things you're doing, but they don't feel either comfortable or they just aren't super like talkative or (laughs) they just like haven't thought that they need to tell you, you know, maybe they assume that you know that they like that because they're making a certain face or something, right? So like having these conversations about about the things that you are feeling more insecure about, and then it might be that your partner is already super into those things and you just don't know it, or maybe there is some work that you can do that will make your um, partner enjoy that more and then in turn you enjoy that more. And all of these things are going to be able to help you work on that sexual self-esteem. So it's like some things on your own reflecting why why is this the story in my head? And then how can I shift that story? How can I have that shift either by more experience or by more feedback or by just like hearing words of affirmation about this from my partner? I mean, there's so many things that you can do. I mean, I I don't really have too much to add because Spring did a really great job of sort of setting up that roadmap. But I do have two simple things. Um, One is compliments. Compliment your partner and expect compliments from your partner about your sexual self. And everybody needs to do this. Men, non-binary, women, trans, cis, just engage in compliments with the people that you're having sex with. And it makes them feel like they're not taken for granted. Um, And on top of it, we all start out pretty crappy at sex. No one starts out like a a sex boss or a sex mate. They might start out as a sex maniac, but not the good kind. Um, Sexual skills are skills and all of our skills in life take practice. And sex skills are a little bit different from other ones because you can practice them with someone else and you can get better at them with somebody else and you can really build your sexual self-esteem with somebody. And it's kind of fun to say like, I want to try this new thing and I think I'm going to be terrible at it. Can I experience this, practice this, move this way with you um, and give me pointers, positive pointers along the way and be willing to laugh at yourself and be willing to like kind of giggle at 
getting better in all of those processes. Just listen to last week's episode. I hope you've all been doing your Kegels every single day. (laughs) Um, I've been much better about it since that episode, actually. But those are the kind of things that you can do. Just practice, compliments. Um, I also said Kegel. So everyone who's listening now, like take take this time and get your little squeeze in. (laughs) All right. Um, But really being affirming of the other person helps with their self-esteem. And the other thing is you can ask, too. Like, I need this from you, like my partner, if we're being sexually active together, you know, for me to feel really good about this, I need you to tell me X, Y, or Z, or give me feedback on X, Y, or Z, and work to build that culture in your bedroom where conversations are the norm rather than silent bedrooms. Yeah. And, All right. you know, this other thing that Andrew was talking about is like building these skills. The other thing I just want to acknowledge is that you can build all these sexual skills, but then when you get a new partner, half those skills might be thrown out the window, right? Because everybody likes things differently and likes different ways of doing things. So like, it's also, yeah, you can be very experienced and then still have a lot more to learn when you have a new partner, right? So we know that what works with one partner doesn't work with every other partner. So it's also like, being kind of humble in your skills, right? And always wanting to communicate and always wanting to learn more about the actual partner you're with and not just what you think will work or what um, you've done before. And so that's another thing that I think um, sometimes can affect people's sexual self-esteem. Maybe they're in a new relationship or something that they always thought they were really good at. Now their new partner isn't like bowled over by, right? Or orgasming over and over by. (laughs) And so it's also like, that doesn't mean that you're bad at this thing. It means, oh, you have a chance to say, let me learn how this person likes this, right? And just because a certain person that you're with doesn't like something that you're doing, that actually isn't a reflection on your skills even. It's a reflection on, oh, we need to communicate about the way that this partner likes that. And that communication is key throughout all of our relationships, not just for talking about like what is cheating and what does cheating look like and is porn and our vibrators cheating. Um, but having that open communication pretty much guarantees that you're going to have a healthier relationship. And then when that relationship is over, you'll have a healthier breakup too. Um, we have an episode about how to break up from a couple of years ago if you want to check that out. Anyway, <laughs> um, so Spring, is porn cheating? Is masturbation cheating? Is using vibrators cheating? Um, is this a trick question? (laughs) I mean, the answer is no, unless you have described some boundaries around that, that have for some reason, whatever reason your relationship calls for, have defined that as cheating in some way. And I think you should be really careful in these conversations. Um, move into conversations. Like if you're really hurt by porn or vibrators, or if you're really feeling low self-esteem, um, work on being positive in a compromised mindset as you go into those conversations as well. Um, most people watch porn. Most people masturbate. And most people are happy doing those acts with their by themselves or with a partner. Um, so just 
you know, consider compromise. Like I said a few minutes ago, if you charge into this conversation demanding someone else gives up their sexuality, gives up their sexual agency so that you feel better, you've really hurt your relationship overall. So you're much better off going in with that compromise mindset. And there's a million different ways that you can do it. Like if you don't like the masturbating very much or it makes you feel insecure, maybe you can do some masturbation together. Maybe you can watch porn together. Maybe you can use vibrators together. But whatever you're doing together, it's that communication piece that's really going to resolve that overall negative feeling that some people have about sharing intimacy with an object instead of with a person. Yeah. All right. Anything else that we need to say? Any, any wise words to close out our episodes, Dr. Cooper? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I think the wise words are um, always go into these conversations with an open mind, you know, like you have no idea what potential traumas or triggers your partners had around these things. Like it's not about you probably, right? Like sure there's some component can be about you, but like also, yeah, be very empathetic. Like, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's a lot of things you don't know about. And by maybe, I mean, of course, there are a lot of things you don't know about your partner. And so, yeah, go in with an open mind and um, like explore, exploration wise, like, let's, let's see what we can talk about. Let's see what we can understand about each other. And let's see how we can come to compromises and negotiations and boundaries that feel safe for both of us, all of us. That's awesome. And my only piece of advice on top of that is make sure that the rules come from you and not from an outside source. Make sure that the rules are meaningful, that the boundaries are things that make sense because you want them there, not because something outside of you and your relationship tried to tell you that they should be there. So, all right. Well, I think that's it for this week's episode. Thank you for talking with us, everybody. We we love that you're here with us every single week talking about sex and sexual health. And if you have any questions about this episode or any other questions about sex, sexual health, relationships, we would love to hear from you. You can can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. You should definitely check out our social media. Uh, We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap. That's rap with the W-W-R-A-P. And you can email us your questions. We're thesexrap at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye.